So here we are again, Chris, Living Room 101. Hi, Tom. Uh, uncharted Territories, because we're, um, we're, re- we're doing it remotely, aren't we? We are. Yeah. So, uh, and you're in Scotland. That's mad, isn't it? Yeah, I'm miles away from you. I'm in, yeah. I'm in Scotland. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, never done Living Room 101 from Scotland before. No, and I'm in London. But that's regular, isn't it? It's the first time Living Room 101 has gone outside of London. It's a kind of national tour in a way. Yeah, it's, well, 50% of Living Room 101 is, is on tour. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the other 50%, on the other hand, is uh, stuck in the house doing absolutely bugger all. Yeah, it's not often that a double act goes on tour, but only one of them goes. Yeah, that's not often that happens. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Are we a double act? Well, usually a double act goes on tour together, don't they? They, they do, in my experience. Or, yeah. Although not always. You know, like Skinner and Badil, they do separate tours. But I don't think they're a double act anymore. I also don't think they would have done Badil and Skinner unplanned separately. You know? No. I noticed the way you um, started Skinner and Badil, and then you changed it to Badil and Skinner. Or was it the other way around? Uh, I don't know, but I was watching. I've been watching quite a lot of Badil and Skinner Unplanned for some reason, just because my brother mentioned it. And um, they do actually talk about it on there. Someone asks them, you know, why did you go Badil and Skinner? And they just say, it's just alphabetical, which um, is quite good for me in general, because my surname begins A-D. So the first two letters are near the beginning of the alphabet, so I pretty much always get top billing. Yeah, well, I mean, but then also you deserve it because of talent. <laughs> That's so, that is so true. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was just wondering whether we should get into it. Oh, so what, straight? I mean, I don't know if we can now get straight into it. I think it but we should get into it in some level, shouldn't we, okay, really? Let's get into it. Okay. Uh, just a slight apology about the sound quality. It may drop out slightly, Chris, you know, it's rough and ready. I think I have such faith in your skills as an editor. I don't think that's going to happen. But if it does, apologies. Yeah, I think it might, actually, um, knowing knowing my editing skills um, <laughs> intimately. Um, we should get into it. Um, we're in uncharted waters, so uh, bear with us. But um, I think, who's going to go first? I think I will, if, if you don't mind. That's 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 absolutely fine. I do notice a note of courteousness has crept in, yeah. given given our distance. <laughs> it's because maybe we, because we can't see one another's faces, we're not sure that the other one's not angry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Although even when we see each other's faces, I'm often not sure whether you're angry or not. Is that true? I think I I think I can believe that because I do think my default, like my resting face, is is a little bit frowny. Yeah, mine's a bit frowny. People often say to me, unbidden, they say, what's wrong? Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. But like usually, 95% of the time, nothing is wrong until they say that. And then that makes me think that something is wrong. Yeah, you question it. But you're not, a, I mean, whenever I'm with you, you're not a, you're not a, fr- you're not a grumpy person. Oh, well, that's good. Yeah. That's good to know. Yeah. Um, so what? here's the thing I would really like you to put into Living Room 101, right? Yeah. So, so obviously I've had a bit of time on my hands. So what I've been doing, although I've actually been doing this for months, but it's got a bit more intense recently, is binge watching Parks and Recreation. Oh, yeah. Because I'd seen, I'd only seen one or two episodes before, you know, and I knew I liked it, but, you know, a couple of months ago I was like, oh, right, I'd finished Brooklyn Nine-Nine. I was like, I'm going on to Parks and Recreation now. Um, same same people actually uh, came up, yeah. with, I think. Yeah. Um, 
And what happens is, now I, I still, I do like it, I like it a lot, but as it goes on, it does this thing which I've seen elsewhere and I realised the other day, this, this really must go into Living Room 101. Yeah. And it's, as the show goes on, particularly if you're just watching the whole lot, you know, it's taken them five years to film, but I'm watching it all in a couple of months. You, you can feel the show getting more successful because, right. and I mean, it does get better just the way they're kind of, you know, they're working out who the best characters are and they bring in a few new characters, which make it better. But then this thing happens, which I, I really don't like, where you get random celebrities popping up in it. Ah, yeah. I don't mean guest stars. Like, I'm fine with that. You know, fairly early on, you start getting really good, like, guest star actors. Like Parker yeah. Posey. Do you know Parker Posey? No. In, she's in, you would definitely recognize her. She's in loads of like Christopher Guest things and she's brilliant and she pops up. But then you start getting like Nick Kroll is suddenly in it in a guest part and like these quite, you know, big people. But then yeah. it moves to the next level. And this is the bit I don't like where they just have people being themselves in it. Uh, because it's set in Indiana, they have like the local. NFL team people start turning up like basketball stars start being in it and then they had one which is obviously like an anniversary issue uh, episode where there were just loads of celebrities popping up as themselves in it and, uh, and then quite late on um, the lead character who wants to be a politician goes to Washington and Michelle Obama is in it <laughs> Just for, right. you know, just for one moment, she says a little inspirational thing. And it's just like, no, no, I know it must have been so tempting to put Michelle Obama mm. in it. Of course, and if she agrees to it, I can see that they just couldn't help themselves. But it's just like, no, please just stick to what you're doing. It's good. We don't yeah, yeah, yeah. need celebrities. So what is it specifically about it that's annoying? Is it the kind of, um, is it the fact that it, when you see the celebrities playing themselves, you think it kind of takes you out of the, takes you out of the reality of the show because exactly. that you've bought into. Is that is that the main reason? It takes me out of the story world. I'm like, this isn't realistic. I can I'm now just thinking about the fact that you obviously got more successful and st people started contacting the production team to be like, oh, I'd love to be in it, you know, and. Instead of just like, no, sorry, I don't think it's really believable that all these people, the point of Parks and Recreation as well is that it's supposed to be in this Nowheresville little town in Indiana. Yeah. With a joke, you've got this extremely ambitious woman working in the Parks and Recreation department in, in like local government. You know, that's, that's yeah. a joke. So it's, yeah. it's supposed to be nowhere. So it's just not believable that, and, and they do this other thing, right? Which also happens quite a lot in films and things. Um, my brother was telling me yesterday he'd been watching, what's it called? It's called Yesterday, that film about oh. Beatles songs, Richard Curtis film. Yeah. And it's set in Suffolk where Ed Sheeran lives and Richard Curtis lives, and they obviously know each other. So apparently Ed Sheeran has this kind of um, cameo as himself, and it's just like, no, just yeah. because it's a film about, I don't know, I haven't seen it, but about a busker, you don't, I know it's tempting to put Ed Sheeran in there, but just please don't. And so it's this yeah. thing where they, they also have concerts in Parks and Recreation, and then they get these like big bands to actually come and play in the concert. And you're just like, uh, no. Yeah, yeah. No, I get, I get it. It's like, um, 
I mean, it's um, always sunny in Philadelphia when when um, Danny DeVito sort of started in season two. I was like really disappointed he was in it. Yeah, because sort of like part of the whole part of the whole kind of getting into that was the fact that oh, this is a whole bunch of new people, um, and look how great that they've sort of like been given this chance to sort of you know be funny, and they were very funny, and then suddenly he's there and you think oh god you don't need your patronage to yeah uh, to make this show sort of a good show it's already a good show yeah um they're almost like they're jumping on this bandwagon aren't they of of they see something which is really good and it kind of it's actually sort of they feel like they're they're giving their sort of patronage to it but it's it's kind of working the other way round. yeah and, uh, and then that thing with richard curtis yeah that's like because it's i mean in the in the um Parks and Recreation thing. I was going to say Parks and Rec. Yeah, that's um, I'm not a regular. Yeah, people say that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm not a regular viewer, so like, I don't, I don't feel like I've got license to do that. <laughs> but um, I, I, I haven't done it, so that's that's cool. Yeah. Anyway, um, in Parks and Recreation, you suddenly see the production team like going, "Oh, look, we've got Michelle Obama. That's ama- That's that's going to be amazing. Let's stick her in." And nobody is like putting hands up, going, uh, "Excuse me." That's like the joke of this whole show is that it's in the middle of nowhere and and these people are ambitious like um in a deluded manner and if we put michelle Obama in it that means that joke doesn't work anymore yeah nobody's saying that. and then and then the um the thing with richard curse is like there's a whole cozy home counties yes we've been incredibly successful in the film or, or tv world we all kind of live in the same neighborhood and you can just imagine Ed, like you know richard curtis saying to his Saying to his partner, you know, let's um, oh, you know, um, Ed Sheeran uh, lives down the road. Should we should we invite him round for one of our Sunday brunches? <laughs> um, and then and you've got this image of like the patio at the back of Richard Curtin's massive house out in the home county. We're full of like these people who are notable people who have all kind of made it to this level. Yeah, yeah. And then Ed Sheeran's there, and he, he said, "Well, why don't you just um, you could you know we could, we could do something together. Why don't we just do something together at some point? You know." Yeah. And um, I had a you know. We often say, don't we, joke about making a life-changing sum of money? Yeah, we do. We do. That comes from a, somebody that I used to work with who's, who, who was then f- incredibly successful. Yeah. Um, and he was telling me about um, living right next to Armando Iannucci. Oh, right. Where is that? Yeah. Where, where, does he, where does he live? I don't know. I don't know where it is. Somewhere it's, like, not in- it's like Buckinghamshire or somewhere relative. It can't be Buckinghamshire. Let's just say it's Buckinghamshire because that's where it is. Okay. It's got to be. <laughs> um, and then, you know, and he's talking about, oh, I saw him because they go because the, obviously their kids go to the same school. Yes, of course they do. Yeah. They go to the same school. And they're just, this, they're just regular guys at the school gate, yeah. you know, mm. uh, earning life-changing sums of money. Yeah. And, um, you know, and they were just swapping stories about, you know, being successful, no doubt. Yeah. Um, it's so cosy. I mean, Amendo Iannucci is – a genius and he deserves every single success he's got this ex colleague's colleague of mine is, is is an absolute you know incredibly talented um person but is he, uh, is the coziness of it is just like oh i don't know just it irks and that kind of feels like the territory you're trying to describe a little bit yeah but then again right i, I was thinking about this and I'm, I'm not sure i've come to a conclusion we had our celebrity friend guest on our show on the 20th celebratory 20th episode yeah is that the same thing or are we allowed to do that because we're a kind of a chat show in a sense <laughs> well i think i'm gonna guest. i mean yeah i mean i think it's different when it's um not kind of uh not kind of um undermining our story world you know what i mean mm-hmm. 
Isn't story world just a great word? Story world? Yeah, I really like... Well, you think it's all one word? Uh, oh, maybe two, but, but I just like using it, you know? Yeah, I mean, I noticed you dropped it in earlier, and I've, I've adopted it myself. Yeah, yeah, because it's... I'm gonna, yeah, I'm going to start... I don't know whether I'm going to start using that. I might get... It might be one of the, like one of them songs, a bit like Liam Gallagher's Once, that, you know, you like it a lot when it first comes out, and then it kind of pales quite quite quickly I, but um, i don't i don't think i've ever heard that is that the name of the song once yeah i think so when was that that's the main lyric anyway oh okay but um but story world yeah i wonder whether i'm going to stick with it i think you probably will find it creeping in it's useful yeah i, I like to say um if i'm writing or maybe reading someone's script i quite like to say uh, because i think it makes me sound like knowledgeable i say um I'm not, I, I'm just not, I mean, I know that's believable in real life, but I'm just not sure if it's believable in the story world. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Are you showing the door immediately? Um, <laughs> no, I bet it goes down an absolute treat. It's the opposite, isn't it? Because yeah. I have noticed, have you noticed when you're in those kind of meetings and uh, people start talking about narrative arc? Yeah, yeah. That comes up a lot, doesn't it? Yeah, makes me a bit bit nervous. That because I mean, I do, I do understand what it means, but it can get quite complex. That where people start talking about like arcs that um, I can't even remember like the expression, but like they're they're sort of connected arcs or arcs that go in opposite directions, like <laughs> contradicts the other one's arc, and uh, yeah, makes yeah. Me I mean, well, advanced arc usage, I think, is just the total symptom of somebody who knows all knows all the kind of like um logistics about writing but doesn't really write themselves yeah well a script editor (laughs) (laughs) i wasn't going to be so bold but yes um a narrative arc is as soon as someone says that i tend to my brain just tends to switch off um and People are waiting for you to say it because it's a little bit like, remember we were talking about wonderful, the word wonderful? Yeah. Um, like It's a bit like currency in those meetings where if you throw in a narrative arc quite early on, then people are kind of start relaxing, saying, oh, yeah, this is this this guy knows what they're talking about. Yeah, I but I try, not, I just like, try and make a point of not doing that because I don't want to have that kind of exchange of the sort of uh, – of the capital of narrative arc, you know what I mean? Yeah, I think um, that, that that speaks to your integrity because I feel like I'm the kind of person that would probably be quite tempted to say arc, uh, yeah, or you know trope. Um, so, yeah, well, I think I think tropes a bit more specialised. Like narrative arc just gets bandied about these days, and actually, you get you get people who because <laughs> what they're talking about is the story. That's what they're talking about. Yeah, and then. But if you said that to them, if you if you challenged and, and said, you, you, "Do you mean the story?" They say, "No, no, I mean the arc. I mean the narrative arc." Mm. Um, and, not, and they'll say, "I'm not talking about the story. I'm not talking about story world. I'm talking about the arc." <laughs> you know? um, yeah. Parks and Recreation. Does this like just pertain to that show? You're kind of trying to put in this phenomena that's happened in Parks and Recreation that's slightly spoiling it for you? No, yeah, I mean, yes, but it's not specific to Parks and Recreation. I have definitely seen it before, and I suspect it's been going on for years. I, I don't remember specifically, but I'd be very surprised if in Happy Days, kind of later on, you don't get some kind of bands of the moment playing in the diner. Oh, no, because it's set in the 50s. Maybe not Happy Days. But, you know, I, 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 I've... 
I, I mean, you know, coming on a podcast, I probably should have researched, but I, I sort of remember this phenomenon that as a show gets more successful, it just, yeah. they start to lose their way. But then things like Seinfeld, I'm sure it never happened in Seinfeld. They, you feel like Jerry Seinfeld has more integrity to just what his show is than, than suddenly. And again, like I'm not saying like big actors don't pop in to play guest roles but that thing of like you just you can feel the success of the show impinging on on its quality yeah um, yeah that's that's dead right i think seinfeld i can't think of an example where you get a big i mean it's not like kirby enthusiasm where you get michael j fox turning up and um but then he lives in that world doesn't he that is the story world in that because he world in mine yeah because he mixes with those people that live in his neighborhood sort of thing. So that, that you've got kind of license to do that there, haven't you? Yeah. But, um, yeah, just chucking in a, you know, chucking in a Michelle Obama when you're not expecting it. It's yeah. just, nobody's going to be into yeah. that. Let me think. Okay. Yes. It's going in yeah. because I mean, I like that show and I haven't got into it as much as you, but I cause just, and that's just a, that's just a kind of, I don't know. It's a time thing. It's one of those things that it just hasn't kind of, I haven't reached the tipping point of right. I've got to watch every single one. Yeah, um, yeah. you know what I mean. And yeah. but I'm sure I could get into that level with Parks and Recreation because I think it's really good. Oh, it is. And I, I, I really like the fact that I'm saying the full name every single time and yeah. not yeah, Park, um, Parks and Rec um, or Parks. Just imagine that if I if I like shortened it to Parks on its own. That would be really horrible i mean parks yeah. and rec happens quite a lot but i i'm really anxious about saying it. i do say it occasionally but it is a bit it's like it's akin to when people call celebrities just by their first names isn't it yeah well we, we've had this on another pod haven't we where yeah. when theater titles wasn't it where people call shrew yeah like tell me the shrew they yeah. call it shrew um yeah <laughs> I, see. I, I, I i totally understand your nervousness so let's just keep calling it parks and recreation Okay, so, um, yeah, that's going in. Yeah, great. Thank you very much. I think also it's a good warning for us, just in case we ever make it big time as writers and earn a life-changing sum of money and write a like hugely successful sitcom and suddenly the Queen or Prince Philip is just like, I'd really like to be in your sitcom. And it will be so tempting to say, okay, we'll work it out. We'll work out a way to put the Queen in our sitcom, you know. And But it's a warning. The answer is no. No, sorry, the Queen. You cannot be in it. It's not believable <laughs> in the story world. Yeah. I love the fact that you thought our cameo would be the Queen. Well, I was thinking, you know, like if we were in the States, you know, it'd have to be Michelle Obama, someone like that. So I think our equivalent is the Queen. Okay, yeah. Because I don't have <laughs> Boris Johnson in it. That, that <laughs> wouldn't be tempting. No, that wouldn't be good, tempting at all. No. Um, <laughs> we're, staying in the, we're staying in the media world. Um, and um, what I'd like you to put into Living Room 101, Chris, is um, the peop- like TV presenters who call themselves broadcasters. <laughs> yeah, okay. So, um, you know, basically broadcasters are TV channels like the BBC <laughs> or you know, ITV or Netflix or whatever. Yeah. They're broadcasters. Um <laughs> There's been there's been for quite a long time there's been a sort of trend of TV presenters calling themselves broadcasters, yeah. um, which is basically the equivalent of it's the equivalent of story 
trying to take on a little bit more profundity um, where TV presenters are trying to take on a little bit more, um, give, give weight to their, to their job. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And basically, um, okay. If you are, if you're um, David Attenborough, yeah. Yeah. I'm not, but yeah. No, if you were David Attenborough and you started calling yourself a broadcaster as a profession, you know, saying that that's a profession. Yeah. Maybe fair enough, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, the man used to run the BBC. Um, he was he was director general back in the day. Yeah. And um, he is, you know, he is the BBC. He's, he's the BBC personified. So fair enough, David Attenborough. Yeah. But if you, if you work on a property show and what you do is speak your lines, you know, your pieces to camera in front of a, in front of a camera. Yeah. That's it. That's what you do. You're not a broadcaster. I, you know, yeah. I, I and, um, think why would it be? Isn't isn't then everyone who works in TV? You know, is is the is the camera operator not also a broadcaster? They are also broadcasting, are they not? Well, that's the point. They're not at all, are they? They're a camera operator or they're a camera person. You know, yeah. And um, and that's the thing. I mean, like the other thing that a TV presenter of this ilk might do is um, start, you know, giving. <laughs> giving masterclasses um, about the skill of broadcasting, yeah? Yeah. Um, when what they're talking about is TV presenting, <laughs> like how you, how, you be, how you become a good TV presenter. Yeah. And, you, and you do that by having a good personality on screen, looking good, being clear with your diction. Mm, that's pretty much it. Yeah. Um, yeah. You're not, you know, you, you, you're not really qualified to give masterclasses on broadcasting as a broadcaster. And like saying to your room full of avidly listening people, oh, because when you uh, when you are a broadcaster, for example, you have to develop um, a rapport with your camera person. Mm. Skill number one: always be always develop a rapport with your camera person and sound person. They're very important. They're the people that make you look good. Oh. You know, oh, profound skills that you're imparting to us. We're all scribbling down in our notepads. <laughs> you know, um, this information. And like, also, that camera person has honed their skills and craft over a period of years, long years, you know? Yeah. You've turned up, you've rocked up, and you're just saying stuff in front of them, yeah? You're not on a par with that camera person, and you're definitely not above them, yeah? So the fact that you front the program may have gone to your head to, uh-huh. to, to give you the idea that you're a broadcaster now and you can impart wisdom to all us other lesser mortals but who actually do have skills like camera people and like sound people and like editors all these kind of people who actually make the programs who have the technical skills um yeah I've, I've and a question for you go on i'm wondering do you think this is a bit triggering for you because you work as a writer and director and sometimes you feel like actors think that they're more important than 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 you Definitely not a, pertaining to actors. No, okay. I'm talking, I'm talking about TV presenters um, who I have worked with. I've worked with a lot of TV presenters, and I mean, don't get me wrong; they're skilled in what in that in that in TV presenting. You know, you can be good at that. Be good at that. Don't call yourself a broadcaster. What you've got a satellite dish on your head, and you are transmitting the programs to everybody, <laughs> or you know, you're so technically minded that 
after you do your piece of camera, you go into the OB truck and you edit it, and you then send it out along the along the wires, along the satellites. Yeah, yeah. You know, you're not doing that. You're not a broadcaster. You're not physically broadcasting the program. You are the TV presenter, and you're speaking words in front of the camera. Do you think? Um, sorry to bring this back to actors again, but do you think this is akin to how every single actor, and I absolutely include myself in this, but I wouldn't actually write this on any bar but pretty much every actor on twitter will have actor and writer because they've written you know they're, they're writing a script with their friend um and so it kind of gives them a bit more gravitas a bit more weight and a tv presenter's equivalent is like calling themselves a broadcaster I, no i don't think it's the same i think that actors and writers Actors who are writing are writers, you know. They're, they're doing, they're producing something. They're producing scripts. It may not be very good or, you know, it may be brilliant. Mm. Um, but that's fair enough. They can do that. Um, okay. It's just a, a TV presenter takes on the mantle. Oh, you know, I've been doing this ages now. So now I, I, I feel like I, I can call myself a broadcaster. Yeah, it's pretty old. You know, um, did, did you ever, I mean, have you ever seen the film Broadcast News? Yeah. I watched that quite recently, and that is quite telling about all this. Because yeah. William Hurt plays this really like telegenic, um, telegenic, incredible word, um, <laughs> a telegenic sort of. Oh, I wish I hadn't said it three times. But so good looking, <laughs> sort of news broadcaster, but he's not really a good journalist. Whereas Albert Brooks is this really like intelligent you know, guy who knows, he knows what he's talking about. He knows all the politics, but he doesn't have the thing that William Hurt has, which is just that like ease in front of the camera. And yeah, um, so it does, it, it, it's quite clever that film because you kind of, well, I mean, I just preferred Albert Brooks, but then you're like, you had to like acknowledge that there was a skill to what William Hurt's character was good at. But that's TV presenting. It's not broadcasting, is it? It's, it's TV presenting, yeah. And on, on, you know, in certain circumstances, like a news, a news, um, a news presenter who who ends up doing documentaries about um, the favelas or something, mm-hmm. and goes out there, and you know, like Trevor McDonald, someone like that, Ross Kemp, you know, eh, Ross Kemp. <laughs> yeah, he's an actor. He's an actor. I don't, I just don't think he's a broadcaster. He wouldn't. I couldn't see Ross Kemp calling himself a broadcaster. He wouldn't do it. No. Um, but someone like Trevor McDonald, who goes out and he introduces, he he interviews like a load of drug lords, and and mm. you know, I imagine that he sort of put a load of effort into doing that, and did loads of research, and um, you know, and um, and there was a whole kind of intelligence um, applied to making a program like that, and um, you know, you could say, yeah, okay, you know you're a broadcaster because you you're working in different medium and you and you are applying some you know often like a thesis to something you know what i mean something like that yeah which which gives it a bit of weight but um you know when you get a like um when you get someone who's who presents uh property shows i hate to go on about that because you know um some of them are okay but who then just takes on the mantle of being a broadcaster. There's another element to it, which is just, to me, is the technical use of that word. It's like, okay, well, if we're going to call human beings broadcasters and not the the corporations that are broadcasting these things, but if we're going to call human beings, then I think we have to include absolutely everyone who is involved in that broadcast. 
Like, why are yeah. you as the presenter broadcaster, but the makeup person, the boom operator? I mean, they're also broadcasters. They are working on a broadcast. Yeah. So I, I think what I would what I would say in my one living room one one sort of judgment is, um, I well. I'm I'm very much leaning towards putting it in, but I'll maybe offer you this option. I'll allow yeah. it as long as they have the, the, the broadcasters in inverted commas have to acknowledge that absolutely anyone who works in broadcasting television is also allowed to call themselves broadcasters. Does that mean it doesn't go in? Well, it's up to it's up to you. I think it would be a bit of a, it would be like one in the eye for. Okay. Broad- well, what about? What about this? I think that it pertains to, I'm saying pertain quite a lot um, this episode. Um, I think it pertains to, don't again, to um, the TV presenter because they're the ones who are imparting the knowledge or the, you know, the subject over to the viewer. And so they feel like they are literally kind of broadcasting it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, in a, mm. In a sort of in a in a an erroneous manner, I would argue that that is wrong. That they that they are broadcasting anything to anybody. Sort of in um, a way that you might comment about a really bullshit dinner guest, like oh, they're broadcasting the gossip about you know X, Y, or Z. In that sort of like yeah, yeah, it, like broadcast in that sense that you might use it to be a bit sarky about someone who's being quite loud. And they 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 the act of calling themselves a broadcaster. Um, they feel is is giving them the credit that they deserve for what they do. Shouldn't they be allowed a bit of credit, a bit bit of you know, a little bit of status? But then, I think they should just be saying, "I'm a good TV presenter." <laughs> That's what they do. That's what they're doing. They're not a broadcaster. Yeah. I think also if people know who you are, then then that's status enough for you, isn't it? Like. You don't need to necessarily start calling yourself a broadcaster. No, exactly. Would I, I mean, thinking from their point of view, would someone, I mean, imagine someone like Michal Hussein, who does the Today program, but I also sort of is a bit of a news presenter as well. So she does a few different media. I imagine she might call herself a broadcaster. And for her, it wouldn't annoy me so much because I feel like she has some journalistic input. I mean, would you allow it for someone like that? Or are we just blanket? Not allowing it. No, I think, I think in certain cases it's it's merited. Like um, David Attenborough, um, and she's yeah, as you say. Like I don't know um, her work, but it sounds like yeah, she could well um, <laughs> merit it. But I bet she doesn't call herself it. That's the thing. Mm. It seems to be it seems to be amongst people who just don't merit the title who who are calling themselves broadcasters. If you know what I mean. Yeah, I think I think I'm going to put it in. Thank you. I, I think, like on a normal episode, if I could see your face, I might have argued a bit stronger for that one. But today, I'm feeling a little bit generous. Why, why, why would my face change change the verdict? Because it might be more fun to like jibe you a bit if I could see you wince. <laughs> but I think, I mean, it is odious. I, I do, I do see now. In fact, this is kind of yeah. the point of living room one hundred and one. In it, in a sense, is like. It has to go in now because if I ever heard it again, it, it really would would sting. Um, yeah. Whereas before, it only really would have got me quite like low level in the subconscious, maybe where I just feel a bit uncomfortable and not not 
quite be sure why, but you yeah. you've illuminated it for me, and it, and it is awful. I'm glad I've uh, I've given that service. Yeah, well, thank you. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Yeah, it's gone in. It's gone in. Yes. Yes. Uh, Brilliant. I I've been staying right in an Airbnb the last few days, yeah. and it's had this thing that absolutely must go into living room 101 yeah it's it's only going to i think be um relatable to the male listeners of right. living room 101 but it's those toilet seats that <laughs> the top flap goes up but the second one when you want to do a wee it, it won't stay up. It won't stay upright. The angle is less than 90 degrees, so it won't. It doesn't stay up. Uh, so you have to hold it up to do yeah. your wee or do a sit-down wee, which should be a little bit humiliating in some way. Massively humiliating. David Hughes um, talks a lot about doing sit-down wees as his preferred mode, but I don't know if he's working. Yeah. Um, wow! But it's in a film, isn't it, about Schmidt with Jack Nicholson, where his wife forces him to do a sit-down wee every time he wee. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and I think um, towards the end of the film, he sort of he breaks out and he uh, he does a stand-up wee, <laughs> 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 and splashes the seat on purpose. Even maybe I'm not sure whether he does oh. that as well. But oh, I'll yeah, watch that again. I haven't seen that in years. Um, but it, it forces you to do this thing where I went through a phase of like, I was like, okay, it's all right. I'm just going to like stand to the side and rest it against my leg. Rest what against your leg? What are you talking about? The, the seat that wants to fall. Oh, God. I thought you meant something else. Go on. <laughs> um, but I thought, no, I'll, I'll just let it, I'll let the seat, I'll stand to the side of the loo, wee from the side, and then let the let the seat just rest against my leg. But then I did it against my sounds... joggers. And I yeah. thought, in these kind of germophobic times where I'm a bit more yeah. germophobic than normal, I thought, I thought, I can't be having like the, the bog rubbing all over my trousers um <laughs> yeah so i just had to, oh it's just it just it occurs far too often in life i feel it happens like once a month or something that you're confronted by this and it's like it, it's not it's not cool it's no cool. i mean it, again it's one of those little design flaws that you think like because we've been to the moon we'd be have been able to sort this out yeah um, we've been to the moon, and, and and we can't get a second flap that stays up. What's happened? For God's sake! How, like, where's the design flaw? Is it in the? Is it maybe a, 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 the the kind of combination of a loose seat that really shouldn't have been used for that particular model of toilet? Yeah. Because because it's too like wide and the the, the loose seat's too thick or something. It's just or well, it's often. I mean, there's 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 so many things. There's so many things that um. I'm thinking about in relation to this. One is that, um, yeah, I think that because you often buy, you can buy the seat separate to the mm. to the bowl. Yeah, um, the bowl. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I couldn't. I didn't know what to call it without. You're right. Huh? You're right. It's the bowl. Yeah, mm. um, and you know, so you're going to get an ill-fitting seat often that's just very flappy and and has no has no leaning capability when it goes up. Yeah. Um, um the the great solution to this is the stiff 
the stiffness when you get to the top, which is what we've got at the moment, at least Lucy, great IKEA Lucy, that basically is stiff. The second flap is stiff when it goes vertical, so it stays in place. I'm very, which I'm very uncomfortable with you using the word stiff <laughs> and this sort of area. Right, okay. Well, what, well, what, 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 what do you mean it's stiff? Yeah, it it <laughs> it's um it go when it goes vertical. <laughs> when it goes vertical, there's a resistance in the hinge that allows it to to stay vertical. Ah, even if you don't even have to, you don't even have to lean it. Wow. Yeah, it's good. It's a good design, and it's got fishes on it. It looks great. Stan loves it. Yeah, and, good Lucy. I, I I know it well. Yeah, um, and then and then basically. The other thing I was thinking of is you're you're living on your own, aren't you? Yeah. Why is this bothering you? What What do you mean? Oh, you mean like if you go for a poo and then you have to sit in your own wee? What? No, <laughs> wee on the seat. It's purely the act of like having to hold up a Lucy while I do a wee is annoying. Yeah, I see. I see. But you wouldn't you wouldn't count you wouldn't consider just trying to. We without holding it up at all. We, it's just we through the whole keeping the blue yeah. feet down. No, no, no. That wouldn't fly. Definitely, <laughs> definitely not. Wow. Then I'd have to go through the cleanup process, which again is just inefficient and annoying. Yeah, it is inefficient and annoying. Um, but you're well trained in that in that respect. You you you're good that you've you've got to the point where you you can't you wouldn't even consider weeing through the hole with the seat down. No. I wouldn't do that. I've tried that in the past, and it really hasn't worked. Even when you live on your, even when you're living on your own. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've got, and then the third thing I want to, I, I can't quite envisage what you mean about leaning the seat on your leg. Um, so I can't. So that's, I'm going to decide. That sounds like. I mean, you're going to have to aim through the hole then, or something. No, what are you talking about? So right, I've lifted. Oh, I see. You, you're standing at the side of the loo. Yes. Blimey heck, that's radical, man. That's maverick. Well, I've never done a pee for, uh, like in from that position into the loo in my whole life. You've never done that. I've never stood at ninety degrees to to the to the toilet. Really? I, I can't remember one time when I've ever done that. I've done it quite a lot. In fact, I feel like I do it quite a lot. If there's things like, have you never done it when you're in a cubicle and the lock maybe doesn't work or it looks a bit dodgy and so you kind of have to jam the door shut with your foot while you wee from a different angle yeah i've done that yeah or maybe there's like a window you know like sometimes in a pub or something there'll be a, like a frosted glass window out into the garden but you still feel like someone can see you weeing so you're you don't trust, yeah you don't trust the frost yeah you don't trust the frost so you stand with your back to window and then we yeah. 90 degree angle into the loo i mean that happens to me fairly regularly that kind of thing. i can't actually remember doing that i mean Maybe I have inadvertently, but I just, you know, maybe, I can't remember. Maybe you just trust Frost. I think I trust Frost quite, you know, um, considerably. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so maybe you just think no one really cares, which I think would be fair enough. We had a, um, we've got a frosted glass on our uh, bottom half of our bathroom window. <laughs> got a frosted bottom. I've got a frosted bottom. Yeah. And when we moved into the flat, um, we were of the we were of the view that um it's got like it's frosted but it's a it's like a sheet of frosting 
Yeah. That the the, the the people who, who lived here before obviously put on the window. Yeah. Um, and um, actually the, the bathroom was newly done up. So that piece of frosting, we, we put a lot of trust in the frost again. <laughs> we, we trusted the frost. Yeah. And then I was out on the street just going down to the shop once and Mel was getting, up, was getting out of the shower and you could see everything. <laughs> <laughs> Every detail. <laughs> it was almost like an inverse two-way mirror. <laughs> like we couldn't see out because it was heavily frosted, but boy, could you see in? <laughs> what? How did that? How did that happen? Why <laughs> did you see through from the other way? I think they put it on the wrong way round. Oh, is it also something maybe to do with it being lit from inside? And if it's dark from outside, then you can see much clearer that, you know. Could be that. That, um, that, that, that's, that's filled me on many occasions. I'm looking out of my living room window at the moment into the kind of reflected black void of all the other windows across the street. I'm laboring under the impression <laughs> that they've got the same reflection going in the, into my window, yeah. but it's probably the opposite. Yeah, not so. They can probably see every single thing what's happening in this window I, I had a friend who told me the other day that he um he's got the old venetians like i have where they're kind of you know like the wooden flippy up and downy kind of venetian blinds but he said yeah. um he you know when if he comes home he often gets home from work before his wife and he says he'll scamper around in the nip you know just doing whatever he's doing um and he said his wife came in and said, I've just seen you scampering around in the nip. And he said, I've had the, I've had the blind down. She was like, no, but from the angle, because they live on like the first or second floor. So it's from the angle, you've got them like tilting down. <laughs> so you can't see out, but from the street, I can see everything. <laughs> that angle. Why, is he, why is he getting naked coming home from work? He's a bit, um, he's a bit germophobia. And I think he probably like takes off his work clothes. And then before he's in his, in his softs, in his in wow. clothes, he's, he's in the nip for a bit. Um, what is he doing now then? God, he must be like beside himself. Oh, absolutely. I, I also once had a thing. staying oh, beside the loop. What? Nothing. I was once staying with a friend who I don't, you know, I wasn't, I hadn't stayed at his, his house before in, you know, it was at his parents' house. And I got out, so they had like a sort of guest bathroom and it had was it a bathroom was it a bathroom that was just starring for that episode <laughs> um, well it, yeah i mean it, what i can say about it is that it had no frosted bottom <laughs> no frosting at all right so and, okay. and it looked out onto the garden and i thought as i went into the shower i thought this seems a bit of a risk and there was no blind no curtains and I think in retrospect, that's because I think they just had it done up and maybe they were awaiting a blind. But I thought, okay, this feels risky, but I, you know, I, I trust in them. There's obviously, and it wasn't like a built up area. It was in the countryside. So I thought no, no one can see really. So, you know, bold as brass, had my shower, got out of the shower, was getting dried. And then the neighbor went into their garden and was just standing. And I thought, well, I can just entirely see the neighbor just down there in the garden and just i just realized i was like yeah i'm just standing here in the window the <laughs> nude and they can definitely just see everything it's just kind of all right but i thought it's gonna be a bit embarrassing if i bump into them now in the street and also yeah. doing a play i was there because he's an actor we were doing a play like in his 
kind of village, this outdoor kind of space. And I thought a lot of people from the village are going to come and see the play because it's the thing that's happening. And and the neighbor obviously knew him. I was like, this neighbor is going to come and see the play, I think. And be like, oh, that's that's the lad I saw entirely in the nip. <laughs> yeah. That's fine. They're in the front row with a big smile. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, what were we talking about? The, the loo seat that won't stay up. Oh, yeah. Well, this has been a generous episode, hasn't it? Yeah. Because it's got to go in. How could it not go in? I mean, the other thing that really annoys me about that is is sometimes sometimes a second flapper will lull you into a false sense of security that it's a stayer upper. Yes, yeah. And then and then you'll, and then you'll finish what you, you know. Maybe you'll finish the wee or whatever, and just turn to the basin, and then it'll go bang. Oh, awful! Oh, and you'll need you know you'll nearly die from fright when it falls down. Yeah. Um, or it'll fall down during the week. Exactly, the slow release fall. Yeah. Oh. And you'll be, oh, no, 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 no. And then you have to try and grab it while you're weeing and you end up weeing on your shoes or whatever. Exactly. Um, it's, not, it's not cool. And, and, and I just think it's something that the government should legislate for. Anyone with <laughs> stalls or Lucy should be legally obliged to make sure it, it, yeah. that the second flap stays up. Yeah, there should be some government... Um, rules about it um I mean, why not the, fact that the government are kind of have you noticed boris johnson's turn of phrase about talking about putting his arms around the people at the moment no he's talking about you know it's a government that has put its arms around uh the the population of the uk like never before you know mm. um, so in these in these current times i think it's um the sort of you know the extension of putting their arms around us should be about legislating about the second flapper. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, you know, it's going to seem small fry, but it would seriously improve a lot of people's weeing experience. Indeed. Uh, you know, what's a government for, really? Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. Yeah. If not for this, for what? If not now, when? If not now, when is it going to happen? Yeah. Um, I think I know when, but I'm still asking the question. Um, it's got to go in. Yeah, yes. of course. Oh, thank goodness. So I, I don't know whether we've ever had all of them going in. No, I don't think so. But, um, but you know, it's trying times, Chris, isn't it? It's trying times. Exactly, exactly. We're feel- um, feeling generous. <laughs> perhaps we should save um, a few of those things like trying times, uncertain times, oh. all these phrases um, that are coming out now being used quite a lot but we should save them maybe yeah we've come to the end of our time chris okay tom um so we should say goodbye we should all right i'm gonna say uh, i'm gonna say bye all right then well i am also going to say goodbye <laughs>